This is the Sam Mays Podcast, and we are live from San Antonio, Texas. Uh, we're going to do a little pregame show for the Alamo Bowl tonight, the big matchup between the Oregon Ducks and the Oklahoma Sooners. To my right, we have Mr. John Hoover, formerly of the Tulsa World, now with uh, SI Sooners, right? Yep. And then to my left, we have the infamous Blink and Riley. I've got a real love-hate relationship. I love him 364 days a year. <laughs> On one day a year, Bedlam Day, I hate him more than anybody else on the uh, the planet. Bedlam Fact Friday, Bedlam. right? <laughs> yeah, Bedlam <laughs> Fact Friday. But you, you've got some, uh, you know, you can ride this for a while. You've you got a win. I did. I did get a I win. Mean, yeah. I, I feel pretty good about that, too. The Cowboys are pretty good this year. There's no doubt about it. I'm going to have to slightly adjust all of my stats. So, you feel slightly. good about that, yeah. Yeah. The, one of my favorite <laughs> ones, if you can remember it, was uh, – what was it? Something about you could travel around the world how many times? And Oh, yeah. Uh, if you started walking in 1945, <laughs> if you started walking from Stillwater down to the equator and then around the world ten times and then back to Stillwater, you'd still have to wait five years for another OSU Bedlam win. <laughs> that's <laughs> a real statistic. That's a stab in the heart, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. No, it's one of the most lopsided rivalries in, in college football history. There's no doubt about it. But I love it. I love Bedlam. I'm excited that we're going to get it at least one more year uh, for a shoe. But, for, but today, we're here for the Amo Bowl. And uh, uh, Blinken was on the Riverwalk last night celebrating with uh, with OU fans, diehard OU fan, OU graduates. Your wife is, too? Is that correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Both so both us, yeah. family of OU grads. Uh, John is uh, from North Pole, Alaska. Uh, Ada High School, you didn't attend OU, but have been covering no. the Sooners for what? I competed for a journalism competition there once, won, my, won everything. Okay. <laughs> I'll just say, as did long you, as we're uh, talking proud, yeah. <laughs> it's a high school thing. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, we're excited to be here, no doubt. Uh, we'll, we'll make this a relatively quick kind of just look at uh, what's gone on in the last couple of weeks, John. Uh, obviously, with, Link, with Lincoln Riley out and Brent Venables in, some transition period has gone through this. Bob Stoops kind of steps in with his cape and saves the day for the Oklahoma Sooners. But the last two weeks have been kind of this this fury, right, of, of just craziness as as Brent is trying to recruit, Bob is trying to coach, Joe C is trying to settle everybody down and get him focused on what's going to happen in the next year. That's been pretty wild as if you're a Sooner fan, for sure. You know, I don't think I've ever covered anything so in such a flurry of events and major everyday news events right. that's happening on the beat like we had uh, from, uh, was it November 29th? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. November 29th was the official I'm going to USC day uh, until here in the Alamo Bowl. Uh, we just had on our, on our radio show, we just had Kobe McKenzie who talked to uh, Lincoln Riley after he left. He talked to uh, Brian Odom. He talked to uh, Bob Stoops, who he said was a celebrity, and everybody at the high school was turning out to see Bob Stoops. <laughs> and then he talked to Brent Venables. The day he decommitted from Oklahoma and committed to Texas, he talked to Brent Venables and said, nah, I'm wrong. I was 18 years old, didn't mean to. Uh, I'm going back to Oklahoma. That's what kind of – uh, now, as fl- much of a flurry as that was for us, covering everything, getting all the news in, and Matt, put yourself in Kobe's shoes, you know, trying to, trying to figure out what your, what your future is going to be. 
Uh, he's a remarkable young man. I'm glad we had him on the show. We kind of stumbled into that one, but it was fantastic perspective on the past month because it's just been insane. And Kobe being as level-headed as an 18-year-old guy I've ever seen, he put it all in perspective. And we're like, oh, okay, so it really wasn't that crazy. You know, he made a, he made a decision, then he made another, another decision. That was cool, but it, it kind of summed up the past month. You know, I, I uh, you know, when you talk about guys like Kobe McKenzie and um, the commitment to Oklahoma, I, I don't mind what Kobe did. You know, I think you decommit because uh, that's what you should do. This is the only decision you're going to be able to make if you plan on staying your length of time at the first university you choose. The next decision you get is your first NFL free agency. You know what I mean? I mean, you're talking about a decade from now. And so I don't mind him taking a step back and, and making Oklahoma have to come to him. Uh, that's just the reality of it. This is one of those premier players in, in, in high school football and somebody that is highly sought after. But it's good to see him here and Norman, no question. As far as this game tonight, obviously the Oregon Ducks, there's some history here uh, with the Oklahoma Sooners. Blinken, you, you had a, a tweet last night. Uh, what, how, many, how many times have they played? Uh, they played seven times. Okay, seven uh, times. Yeah, Oregon won the last one by one point, and – Oklahoma won the other six by a combined 170 points. So, well, you say they won by one point. Yeah, not really. <laughs> yeah, not really. Uh, that I mean, that's a that was a weird stretch too because Oregon and OU had a home and home in 04 and 06, and then they played in the in the Holiday Bowl in 05. So they played three straight years. Um, you know, Oklahoma took two of them, and then should have taken a third, but you know. We all know how that ended. If you want to recapture those games and relive those games, we wrote about it at allsooners.com. We've got the 04 game up there, the big elements of that one, the 05 game, the the Holiday Bowl. I was out there at that one, covered that one, got some quotes from the coaches and players. It's been a lot of fun to recap that one. And then the 06 one's going up this afternoon, the big one, the one that everybody hates is going up this afternoon, allsooners.com. I think something that people don't realize and I forget from time to time is you know what else happened in 2006? What? Well, one, Oklahoma lost to Texas. But <laughs> also, that was the same season as the Boise State Statue of Liberty played. Oh. Oklahoma was down bad that year. I can't believe that was the same, same year. That's the same year. Yeah, man. That was a team that was, uh, had, they, had they gotten the right verdict in the, in the Oregon game, they would have probably played for a national title oh wow yeah because they and beat Boise missouri State would have never happened right now that was 07 they beat missouri they was 07 yeah uh, beat missouri in the big 12 championship but yeah uh, nebraska and kansas city in 2006 uh paul thompson with the 99 yard touchdown drive uh phenomenal game jermaine gresham with the big catch on on third and nine from the one yard line or something like that it was unbelievable um, and but they, that was a team that oklahoma team if they had won that game if they had gotten a favorable call if they had gotten the right call, not yeah. even the favorable call, the correct call, uh, that team might have played for a national title. Yeah, I mean, three losses that season. One was to a phantom onside kick. One was to Texas, and one was to Statue of Liberty. And, and you know, a, a, a replay that gets played literally every college yep. football season of, you know, greatest finishes of all time. <laughs> and, you know, we just got to have to wear that one. You know, it's pretty crazy to think about um, – how far Oregon has come since that game, right? You're talking about a Chip Kelly-led Oregon Ducks that uh, really kind of took college football by storm when you consider uh, just this 
you know, this, this, the Jersey combinations, you remember the Thursday night games campaign mm-hmm. that they were on? I swear they played three or four Thursday night games a year. And what it did is really kind of give them the only stage in football at the time, because the NFL wasn't playing Thursday night games yet. And so the growth of the ducks, you know, from then to now has been pretty remarkable when you consider, you know, who this team is, is now and the brand that they bring to the table. Oregon is a, is a household name, that mascot, one of the best mascots in all of sports. And you're talking about a team that's just chock full of, of NFL players. So t- t- this team tonight, you know, at 815 is a little bit different than that 2016 is concerned as they are just filled with, with a bunch of NFL talent. There's no doubt about that. So, um, now, obviously, with guys being out, you know, they're saying reported 30 players. I think yesterday we got – it's a little bit less than 30 that yeah, are Brian out. Brian McClendon said it was yeah. not 30. Uh, somebody said 26, and he goes, no, not 26 either. But they've got some guys out there. Depth is really hurting for this game. Yeah. Uh, something like 14 guys on the two deep might not be able to play. Yeah, that's going to hurt them uh, pretty significantly. But the reality is they got to go play football. And I would tell you that Oregon has got a ton of team speed. And that's probably the thing when you consider the Oklahoma offense against the Oregon defense – that's where I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. As the Oklahoma offensive line, that's I – mean, I mean, you want to look for a, a reason that they're here at the Alamo Bowl? I mean, that's it, right? That's ground zero. You have to start up front uh, with that offensive line. They just weren't up to the OU standard. And I think that this, this matchup tonight might offer something to them that is a little more difficult for them to handle than maybe they anticipate. Uh, Sam, you remember 2014, you and I – we're at the uh, Jerry World for the national championship game. Oregon was there. Remember that? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Against Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did a big feature, called some people back in Eugene, Oregon, uh, on changing on how Oregon changed the program. Because in the 70s, with the games you were referencing earlier, Stephen, was the, they were a laughing stock. They were a terrible program. Terrible. Like Kansas, terrible getting beat 62 to 14 and stuff like that. So how did they get from there to national championship game? Right. Money, 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 money. Yeah, Phil Knight, Knight. You, you mentioned, um, you mentioned Chip Kelly. It was Mike Bellotti that sold Phil Knight on the vision to put money and put in a real lasting investment into the program. Uh, we're talking about, you know, uh, buildings and structures and, you know, infrastructure and things like that. And the, the angle of the story that I wrote, the column that I wrote that day for the Tulsa World was, can Boone Pickens' money do the same for Oklahoma State? Can he, put, can he write checks and put the Cowboys in the national championship game? It's almost happened twice, or at least the playoff one time and the BCS title game the other time. Uh, they were close, but that's what money can do for a college football program is turn, some, turn, a, turn them from a, a laughing stock into a team that goes – has a disappointing season and goes to the Alamo Bowl at 10-3 and three and almost won the – well, could have won the Pac-12 championship and could be in the playoff and beat Ohio State. Right. This is a seriously good program. Yeah, no, no question. I think the expectation of Oregon here and, and San Antonio is to win the game, really, no matter who is, is taking the field. I mean, those guys are going to show up fired up and ready to go. Blinken, as far as just the you know, player to watch for t- tonight, obviously Caleb Williams, everybody is is kind of focusing on him as he's got a decision to make. I think he's made it. I think he's staying here in Norman. Who's, who's your guy? And First, let me ask you this. What do you think of Caleb Williams' situation, and where's your gut telling you right now? I mean, to me, just looking at kind of the landscape and, you know, transfer portal and all that, I feel like if he was going to leave, he would have left. Right. I, it, it doesn't – to me, it doesn't make sense to leave – you know, later in the game when you've got a absolutely stacked transfer portal as far as quarterbacks go. And, you know, that to me it just 
I feel like he's staying. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. The more information we get on that, I feel more and more confident as well that he's probably going to stay. Yeah. Yeah, and outside of Caleb Williams, just looking at this game, player that you think is going to be the most impactful offensively and defensively? Uh, I'm a big Kennedy Brooks fan. Okay. I'm a very big Kennedy Brooks fan. I I always like watching him play. He's a – you know, I, I've said several times, you know, death taxes and Kennedy Brooks averaging six <laughs> yards a carry. It's I crazy. Mean, yeah. I mean, he is a consistent, consistent guy. Um, so, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be watching him for sure. You're, um, you're a numbers guy. I am. I looked it up in the notes earlier. He's fourth in school history, tied for fourth in school history in yards per carry, tied with Billy Sims. Billy Sims. Woo! That's some heady stuff right there. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I mean, he, he also – he's the fourth – Maybe fourth person in school history to 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 have a three one thousand yard seasons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that list includes Devon Parker, Adrian Peterson, Samaj P. Ryan, yeah. and Kennedy Brooks. And Kennedy Brooks. That's absolutely unbelievable. And and he's done it. I feel like in a relatively quiet way. You yeah. know, I mean, he is. Uh, I think he's a very humble young man. I think he's got a ton of uh, football acumen. I think this guy understands the game. And I think that when you look at great running backs, you get two different types. It's types like Kennedy Brooks who you who clearly. Uh, are playing within the frameworks of the game. He's got in- incredible athletic ability, but what makes him great is how he plays the game of football. And then there's Adrian Peterson. He's like, cool, I'm just going to run through football. <laughs> right? I'm just yeah. going to take this ball. I'm going to just run through everything that we know about this game. And, and Oklahoma has obviously been blessed to have many running backs in the last 20 years that have been exceptional. But Kennedy Brooks is one that is an all-timer. There's no doubt about it. And I'm sure he's looking to leave his mark uh, tonight. Now, he, he says goodbye, right? Heads to the NFL after this? Mm-hmm, yeah, sure. yeah. What do he you hasn't think he, declared, but yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm, and look, I'm pumped that he's playing. You know, when you talk about that opt-out conversation, there were several players that decided to opt-out for the NFL. Uh, he, is, he decided to stay. He decided to compete. And uh, I think, you know, I, I got hurt in a meaningless game. It wasn't a game with my team. Uh, it was a, a senior bowl opportunity, but, uh, you know, I, I, I can't imagine not taking the field and playing football with my guys one last time. Uh, my final game was actually in the Alamo Bowl against Ohio State, so I'm kind of having some real, um, I don't know, it's just a weird vibe to play in this game and now be covering tonight for sure. But I think Kennedy Brooks is an excellent player. Looking forward to him defensively. I love this conversation for Oklahoma. They've got a bunch of young pups out there that are going to have to really uh, take the field against a very talented Oregon offensive line. And uh, if there's one thing I'm familiar with, it's good offensive lines. And let me tell you something, this one at Oregon has been weaponized. They're very good. They're physically very talented. And I I have flashbacks to my first game. Like if if you can go back to 19-year-old Sam Mays, uh, the right tackle goes down in the first series of the game against Missouri. I've got to go out there as a redshirt freshman and Justin Smith – from Missouri, who end up being a 13-year-old pro or something crazy, the NFL is a senior, and he's looking at me like, "Oh yeah, it's time to eat." <laughs> and then I had never given up a sack or tackle in my entire high school career, and in that three quarters and whatever plays in the first quarter, I gave up three sacks and three tackles for a loss. I literally left the field with two broken ribs, two broken fingers, in tears crying as I walked up the ramp because I had never had been beaten <laughs> a, like that before. A broken spirit. Oh, yeah. And, and so he stops me. I'll never forget this because in Stillwater back then, you know, the, the home and away teams would like meet in the middle going to their locker room. So you, and there was a, a chain link fence there. You could see each other. And I'm the last one up the ramp dragging <laughs> a leg. I mean, not because I wanted to be, literally because I just had a hard time getting up to the locker room. And he stops me and he says, don't worry about what happened today. He said, I've been here for four years. 
I didn't beat you because I'm that much better physically than you. I beat you because I just know more about the game. He said, keep your head up and just get back to work on tomorrow. And I, you know, I looked at him and I'm literally crying. I, I didn't know how to re- I had never failed at this game ever. Not one single time. I was having an identity crisis. I'm dead. I went back to my dorm room never and again. just looked lost. Yeah. Uh, my offensive line coach was a real jerk. He looked at me and says, you tried to lose this game for us today. That was what he said to me after the game. I hated Chuck Moeller. And the game goes into overtime. I forgot that part. It couldn't have just ended yeah. after four quarters. I had to get beaten overtime, too. End up running like 107 snaps. Long story short, that was my baptism to college football. And I have a feeling that Stutzman and Downs and some of these pups out there today are going to get a little bit of what that t- feels like. Because there's one thing going against your guys in practice. Those are grown men they're playing against, there's no doubt. But these are grown men that don't like you. And they're not going to treat you with kindness. And they're going to treat you like a young man. And I think that that defensive line against the Oregon offensive line, guys, is going to be one of the main factors of this game for sure. It's, it's my pick, Sam, for the matchup of the game. Uh, the key matchup for the game for Oklahoma is the OU defensive line who has some experience. Um, it's going to be tough against that. what Bob Stoops pointed out, this offensive line. Guys, is really good is what he said. Very talented. Uh, but you've got a sophomore in Reggie Grimes making his first real – He's going to get his first real big-time action as the starter. Uh, Isaiah Coe is a junior college transfer who's gotten some time this year. Has he been a nice backup? He's made some plays. But, uh, you know, his coach Thibodeau said he was the, the most explosive player, most powerful player on the team. Well, he's going to get tested at that. He's going to get tested. And then his backup is Corey Robertson, who's been, you know, a nice player. Jordan Kelly at nose guard also a nice player. These are good players who've played, who've made plays in their careers the last couple of years, right? Uh, and then the, without Nick Benito, you got to look at uh, the rush linebacker, Marcus Stripling, who has been a career backup the first three years of his career. Um, he's the starter. Brendan Walker, who's been a, ba- a, a kind of a reserve guy for two years, he's, he's the backup to Marcus Stripling. And then Clayton Smith is a true freshman, who's a fantastic athlete, but he's a true freshman. So I think there's a lot at the defensive tackle position on a guy like Jalen Redman. Um, he's a, such an impactful player. When he's on the field, you saw the first three games of the year, Oklahoma's defensive line led the nation in tackles for loss. One of the reasons was Jalen Redman. He takes up the extra blocker. He disrupts the scheme. He, he can shoot the gap better than the backup guy can, you know, beat the block. If, if they're blocking uh, man scheme or, or gap scheme, he's, he's better than the guy in front of him. When he goes out, what happened? The defensive line play flatlined for the rest of the season until he came back, which was unfortunately for him the last three games of the year. Oklahoma lost two of those, was challenged in the other one, but the defensive line played better in all three of those games. And again, there's correlation directly, Jalen Redmond. So Jalen Redmond's got a lot on his plate today. I think that Redmond probably the best defensive lineman in the conference. I think that when you look at his ability to create impact in the first two steps on the line of scrimmage and jolt and jar – an offensive lineman, when you can take the fight to them, make them hurt, that's when you really have something going in the right direction. I've only known one other player in my life I like this that I played against. It was Antonio Smith, and Scooby ended up playing in the league for, what, 10 oh, years, yeah, John? That's right. But he was one of those guys that you hated going against because in the first two steps, he's going to make contact and make you hurt. Offensive linemen don't like that. That's our job, to make you hurt time after time after time. Redmond's got that ability to really mess up an offensive lineman, and I think he's going to have a great day today. I also think he's going to be very much focused in on. That's where you get these matchup situations that, that are beneficial for Oregon because 
no one's worried about Ethan Downs right now, right? No one's out there looking looking for 40 to have an impactful game, even though I think that that kid, I'm saying it right now, live on this podcast, live on this live stream, watch out for Ethan Downs. That kid is going to be special in two years, real special. I don't know what position he's going to play. He might be 290, looking a little chubby, but he is an absolute animal and one of those gifted kids physically that you just don't see. No one's worried about him tonight, though. Everybody's going to be focusing on Redmond. You can dedicate a couple offensive linemen to him and kind of mitigate him just a little bit more, but it's going to be about those guys on the edge, guys filling in for Benito, guys who are, are have, going to have to get after the passer, guys are going to have to stay in their rush lanes and play disciplined football. Don't let them get outside the pocket and make you look foolish on the ground. Make them throw they the ball there in Oregon. They're going to have to do that for sure. Anthony Brown can make you look foolish. Absolutely. 6'3", 220, 230, yep. big quarterback who can run very fast, very elusive. Yeah, you want to keep him in the pocket. You want to try to make a, a 50% completion passer throw the football. Yeah, no, I, I'm right there with you. What else are we missing about this one? Uh, anything else popping to Head you as coaching far as matchup? big time? Oh, yeah. Head coaching matchup? So, Interim coaching matchup? I'm, I'm looking. It, what's the gentleman from Oregon? McC- Brian McClendon. McClendon, that's it. I, I want to say McCutcheon. McClendon is on the podium yesterday with Coach Stoops. And you have to kind of chuckle a little bit because there's a real Tiger Woods factor <laughs> as like, I'm like kind of waiting to see if he's going to make eye contact with Stoops. <laughs> I don't even want to make eye contact with Stoops and I'm in the media, in the crowd. I'm like, don't, don't look at his eyes. He's just a different animal for sure. I thought McClendon handled himself extremely well on the podium. Uh, you can tell that they had a chance to kind of interact with each other, but the match, the coaching matchup here is overwhelmingly in favor of, of Oklahoma here. Those boys are on the field. Uh, yeah. <laughs> John, show me a picture of McClendon just looking away from uh, Coach Stoops in the press conference. It's Eyes fantastic. Down. Don't want to get too aggressive. Yeah, I mean the Sooners have got an all-time Bob great. Going to snap you in half. A Hall of Famer, <laughs> and I think that he downplayed this. Uh, I think Coach Stoops downplayed the reaction of the team towards him. I think you know when he said that they were respectful. Whenever, what do you mean they were respectful? Of course they were respectful. I'm sure they wanted to just bow down when you walked into the room. Yeah, he meant reverent. Probably. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like you respectful, oh, coach. Come on. Geez. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I bet you this is the most you know attentive that that team has been all season long. Honestly, uh, so I just feel like from a motivation standpoint, from a demeanor standpoint, attitude and excitement level all favors Oklahoma, and so much of that is because of Coach Stoops. I don't know what you're talking about. Brian McClendon's got more experience in this situation than Stoops does. Stoops has never been an interim coach. Brian McClendon is 1-0 as an interim coach in his career. Yeah, Yeah. Seasoned Seasoned. veteran. (laughs) Seasoned veteran. Well, I mean, uh, wouldn't you be excited to play in this game? Oh, yeah. You know, with everything that's happened since, what, Thanksgiving, you know? I mean, the whole situation – you know, you've got Hall of Famer coming back. You know, he's he's making it about the players. Wouldn't you just be ready to run through a brick wall? Hundred percent. I like. I, I can't. I can't. You've got your future see. coach ups evaluating you too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you better play got, hard. I mean, I, this is this kind of game. I would just be absolutely fired up. I, like, there's no way Oklahoma comes out flat. Yeah, right? no. There's no way. There's no way that they come out flat for this one. I can't imagine. Uh, it going that way by any means. I think there's there's definitely – it's a palate cleanser, right? Make yourself feel better. Like everybody felt hurt. Everybody was uh, – felt, you know, swindled, uh, bamboozled, yeah. right? Lincoln Riley, that uh, that coward runs off out west to uh, to USC and kind of leaves everybody hanging. How dare yeah. Muleshoe do that to Oklahoma? You know what I mean? Like it didn't even make any sense. And I think this is a chance to really kind of just reset not only this football team but the fan base also. Well, you know, uh, you know, this is the team he bailed on, and the team he's probably got to knock off to retake the Pac-12. 
you know, if he's going to do something at USC, you know he's watching this game. Oh, 100%. Right? And you know the players know he's watching this game. 100%. So, yeah, I think, I think they're going to be fired up. All right. Him leaving was created an open wound. I think this game kind of closes that wound, this bandages it, scabs it yeah. over, sutures it, whatever you want to say. This game kind of closes that. All right. All right. Give me scores. What do you think? I think I picked 34-30 at all Sooners. 34-30, Oklahoma. Um, I think both teams are wounded. I think both teams have personnel issues and depth issues. But uh, I think my X factor for the game was Bob Stoops, his experience in this game, his ability to come in and calm and soothe the, the entire situation from day one and then coach them. If you saw that little video that we almost played on the show of him basically talking to the guys after their final practice, looking each guy in the eye and talking to him and inspiring him and telling him, play for that name across the front of your chest, play for that name across the back of your chest, play for your, the, the guy next to you, play for the program. Play, you know, he's got them fired up. Those guys are ready to go. What do you think, Lincoln? Uh, I, I got to go 35-24 Oklahoma. I think, I think in these games where you have a lot of opt-outs and a lot of depth issues, I think the first thing that goes is the defense. It's, it's just a little more – I don't know. I don't know some, something about it. No, oh, yeah. It's, it's a little more technical. It's a little more discipline reliant. Like, yeah. And so, you know, when, when this kind of situation happens, the playmakers kind of come out, right? I mean, scores go up. So I, I'm, I'm going to go fairly high scoring. I'm gonna go. Is there a potential this could turn into an OU Florida from last year? What was the score of that one? 50, 50 to. Uh, yeah. I mean, oh, 55, 28. Was yeah. It? Yeah. Yeah. So I, That's it's either, it's either going to, my, my score is 38, 21, but I think it's got a real chance to get out of hand because the thing about defense and kind of what you're t- alluding to, I think is w- one personnel is personnel. And so when you don't have bodies defensively, you run out of breath real quick. You know what I mean? Like even the kids that start this game could be pretty darn good for Oregon, but there's no backups. So if there's no backups. You get to the first half of that game, those dudes are going to be wanting to be done, especially if Kennedy Brooks is clipping at, at six yards of carry. So I think that this game probably will get out of hand a little bit. I'm not going to call it call that shot uh, on, on air, but I'll say, yeah, I think it's 38-21 is my score with potential of it being a 55-24, 55-28 uh, type of situation. I think Oklahoma's the much better team. I think Caleb Williams also has something to prove. I think he has been – relatively reserved when you consider his personality. Uh, I think that this has probably been a real humbling and shocking and uh, upsetting time for him. I think that he's going to make the right decision, in my opinion, and stay at Oklahoma. And I think when he steps on the field tonight, it's going to be one of those unleashing moments for him. I think he has a ridiculous stat line. I think he runs all over the place. I think he throws the ball over the place. And the guys, the, the, the Sooners that decided to stay, that group, the Sooners that decided to put the work in and build back this brand and take next season here in the Big 12, I think those kids have got a lot to play for tonight, and I think it's a big Oklahoma victory. It's the least predictable bowl game we've got, in my opinion. Oh, I agree. Just because of all the injuries, the opt-outs, the coaching changes, the interim coaches, the coordinators who've never done it before. Interesting stuff. I agree. I mean, it is – yeah, I would agree. It's pretty unpredictable. That didn't stop me from putting them at – you know, 40 points on my confidence bowl pick them. Nice. You know? 40. But yes. Yeah, wow. Yeah. The, the whole thing. I mean, I mean, that's, that's the, that's, that's how you do it. Do you have, uh, <laughs> you got, you got one in. more fun Oklahoma, Oregon stat for us? Uh, so, well, I think if you look at the, one, I think Oregon might be 
Oregon was a weird team all year. Yeah. I mean, they're in the mid-50s in both total offense and total defense. I mean, they might have been – they're like the anti-Nebraska. They're like the maybe the worst 10-win team in college football. <laughs> okay, okay. I mean, maybe them in Iowa. All right. You know, it, so I, I think they're going to hurt. I think they're going to hurt bad because I don't think they were as good as their record was uh, to begin with. Right. So, How did they uh, beat Ohio State like that? I though? have no idea. The Buckeyes came up in a big way this year. The Ohio State that they played versus the Ohio State that finished the year, those aren't the two same those aren't the That's same true. thing. Yeah. I would I would put that more on Ohio State than I'd put that on Oregon. So I would agree with you for sure. Yeah, I think it, it, they're they're just a strange team. They've been in the, you know, floating around the top ten all year, but then, you know, they win ten games, but you look at their stat line, it's very underwhelming. You know, they get whipped by Utah twice in three weeks, you know. So it's I, I just I don't think they were as good as their record ended up being, and I think it, it'll probably show. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. This is John Hoover. This is Blink and Riley. I'm Sam Mays. This is Sam Mays Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. Big thank you to Jackson's a Kingfisher, Totally Tickets, 1907 Threads, and the title sponsor for the Alamo Bowl trip, Brails Real Estate Group. Ryan Brails was fantastic uh, taking care of Brittany and I and making sure we got down here for this. Uh, if you are in need of a uh, of a home, or looking for a home in Oklahoma, anywhere in the state, uh, Ryan can get you taken care of and help you out. So once again, big thank you to Broyles Real Estate Group, uh, and they are uh, the title sponsor of the Sam Ace Podcast Road Trip to uh, the Alamo Bowl. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, Sam. Thanks, Appreciate Sam. it.